Welcome to Measured Justice, where we offer expert perspectives on important criminal justice issues in our communities and in our country. We believe knowledge is the most important tool we have to address the problems confronting the criminal justice system. At Measured Justice, we share expert research and analysis to help bridge the gap between what we know about criminal justice and what we actually do on the ground. We invite the smartest minds to the table to discuss the challenges of crime and punishment in America today. So that everyone walks away better informed. Join us for Measured Justice. This is Ashley Otto, Director of the Academy for Justice at Sandra Day O'Connor College of Law, and you're listening to Measure Justice. The Academy for Justice is a criminal justice center at Arizona State University's Sandra Day O'Connor College of Law that aims to connect research with policy reform and share expert voices. Today, on this podcast episode, we're talking about the Academy for Justice's newest initiative, Rethinking Crime and Violence. This initiative intends to provide policymakers, stakeholders, and the public with a means for understanding violence and its occurrence and to develop appropriate, effective criminal justice responses through policy and practice reform. The initiative serves to comprehensively explore and reconcile violent crime and its role in the criminal justice system. The Academy for Justice has formed a Blue Ribbon Committee made up of leading scholars drawn from numerous disciplines who will share and integrate their academic expertise along with criminal justice professionals and policymakers who will contribute their practical expertise. We had our first hybrid brainstorming session with our Blue Ribbon Committee members in mid-April. In this episode, you will hear snippets from some of the Blue Ribbon Committee members who attended recapping their key takeaways for the event. First, for a bit of background. The Academy for Justice was founded by faculty director and professor Eric Luna in October 2016 as a national academic alliance to address critical issues of criminal justice in the United States. That year, Professor Luna convened the nation's leading scholars in criminal law and other fields to produce a first-of-its-kind four-volume report on criminal justice reform. Published in October 2017, Reforming Criminal Justice offers concise analysis and clear bipartisan policy recommendations on every major issue of criminal justice policy. In July 2018, the Academy for Justice at the Sandra O'Connor College of Law was established as an ongoing endeavor designed to serve as a platform for further projects that critically examine the criminal justice system and to help inform educational, cultural, and policy efforts. Drawing on the success of reforming criminal justice and the collective success of the center since 2016, we are turning some of our focus to violent crime. What are the causes and contributors of violent crime? How do we as a society treat violent crime? How should violent crime be treated? What should the response be when someone commits a violent crime? All of these questions and more sparked our desire to explore violent crime. This multi-year project aims to take an interdisciplinary approach to a series of critical questions and in areas of inquiry as it relates to violent crime. Now I will turn it over to A4J Research Director Shannon Yohani. Shannon joined the Academy for Justice in July 2022, and in this role, Shannon has shaped A4J's newest initiative, Examining Violent Crime. Shannon has worked for nearly 25 years in the criminal justice arena with 11 years of practice experience in the appellate and criminal justice fields. 
As a prosecutor, she initiated office-wide policy, procedure, and technology development, established reciprocal relationships with law enforcement to address systemic and case-specific issues, and trained new attorneys on trial practice, evidence, criminal procedure, and best practices for domestic violence prosecution, all while carrying a large caseload of high-profile and high-risk domestic violence cases. Before serving as a prosecutor, Shannon clerked for the Honorable Peter B. Swan of the Arizona Court of Appeals, drafting appellate decisions and legal memorandum. Shannon graduated from the University of Colorado at Boulder, earned a Master of Public Administration from the University of Colorado at Denver, and received a JD from Syracuse University College of Law, graduating summa cum laude. Shannon, turning to you now, how did you develop the topic areas for rethinking crime and violence, and what are they? Hi. So uh, what I started with back in July and August of last year was I did a lot of research and reading on violent crime, uh, looking at a variety of sources, mass media, journal articles to see what was out there, uh, what the conversations were that were being had about violent crime. And from that research and reading, as well as just lived experience uh, uh, being a citizen of the United States, I formulated focus areas based on what those current issues of violence were and uh, worked on building a foundation of knowledge that would inform the project throughout all of its phases. Uh, so in reviewing all of that research and all of the news articles, uh, what I wanted to start with was, can we, answering the questions of whether we can form foundations of our understanding of violent crime. So that would be, uh, can we conceptualize violent crime? defining not only what violence is, but also discussing what we as a society choose to criminalize. There's lots of forms of violence that we don't criminalize. And then we criminalize things that some people might not actually think of when they think about violence. Um, and also there's both an informal um, and formal process of addressing violence in our communities. So formally through statutes and ordinances, and then informally through discretionary enforcement practices. And so part of that conversation is, can we develop a shared understanding of what violence is and what violence should be criminalized? And then from there, if we have at least a somewhat common understanding of what we're talking about um, in the context of violent crime, can we give that understanding some context? Uh, can we understand the causes and drivers? And uh, that is a really multidisciplinary understanding of what are the things that contribute to somebody engaging in violent crime, um, economics, things like green space, the amount of green space in a community can affect the amount of violent crime in a community. So urban planning, economics, social factors, education, uh, access to housing, access to employment, all of those things that can contribute to uh, somebody reacting violently and also potentially as remedies to violent crime in the future. And then also um, in that foundational pursuit, looking to other countries' experiences of violence and reactions to it, uh, that comparative analysis of different communities' experiences of violence uh, internationally, but then also within the United States. So different experiences of violence, uh, particularly by marginalized communities, indigenous and native populations, um, elder abuse, crimes against children, those uh, sort of... Um, high-risk communities that have different experiences of violence, particularly because of what makes them a different community. And then we identified five other focus areas based on a lot of the more mass media and uh, common experiences of uh, violence in the United States that we all as members 
sort of experience or are aware of. And those five areas are drugs and violence, predatory violence, organized violence, police use of force, and firearm violence and public policy. And those five areas will be rather than the foundational of the first three of conceptualizing, contextualizing, and comparative, these ones will have a critical in-depth analysis of what we hope will lead to evidence-based, empirically backed reform um, from policing to prosecution to sentencing to release and reentry that will ultimately improve public safety by both meaningfully and appropriately responding to violent crime. Thanks for that. Um, and, you know, you talk about the kind of overarching topics um, and the way you have approached developing those topics. From your perspective, what are the benefits and costs of an expansive or narrow definition of violence for this initiative and on other initiatives like this? I think there's both an academic and practical value in having these conversations. So one of the key facets of Academy for Justice is bridging the academic and scholarship with practical experience. But part of it also is the reality of running an initiative and program that can actually produce something that is meaningful um, and has uh, as much value as possible. So from a theory-based perspective on project scope, really expansive definitions can lend to a much more inclusive and more comprehensive understanding of what um, individuals and communities experience in terms of violence. It's not simply uh, what we might all agree violence is, that is like intentional physical harm that everybody would agree that that's violence, uh, and that violence that results in visible injury. That's what we all sort of commonly understand. Um, and that is often the type of violence that criminal law most readily recognizes but also things like institutional and systemic harms that can be defined as violence. There's also witnessing violence, for example, child witnesses to domestic violence. Uh, and it also recognizes that harm can be very broadly defined rather than that classic intentional um, physical action that results in visible injury to another person. But from a practical and programmatic perspective, that amount of breadth can result in taking on way too much and uh, not covering any one topic particularly well. So the benefit of a more narrow definition is it allows a more tailored focus on particular areas. It can give up the benefits I just detailed about um, breadth and, and scope, but it allows initiative focused resources on where we can have the most impact. Also, uh, making sure that we include the communities that are affected by violence, like we I just mentioned, also helps us to ensure that inclusivity that can be eliminated when you talk about a more narrow definition and making sure that the majority uh, isn't the group that's defining what constitutes violence in those particular communities. So um, through this initiative, we're asking, should the criminal justice system recognize it as a harm that warrants criminal justice intervention? If so, to what extent? And how can the system respond to mitigate those harms to individuals and communities and rehabilitate those who engage in violence and prevent violence on the front end are the general questions that, are, that we are hoping to define more narrowly so that we can do this project very well. Okay, so in looking at, you know, wanting to make the most impact, making sure each of these topics that you, um, that we've kind of developed gets covered and covered well and thoroughly, what is the role of the Blue Ribbon Committee in the initiative, and what is this committee going to do to help advance the goals of the Rethinking Crime and Violence Initiative overall? We convened the Blue Ribbon Committee to help us identify where 
the Academy for Justice can contribute to these conversations and work toward meaningful reform that remedies the harms caused by violent crimes in our communities. So the committee, as we discussed before, is comprised of academics from multiple disciplines, including law, social work, criminology, and practicing professionals who uh, have worked in the realm of violence intervention, victims' rights, and some of whom have lived experiences with both gang and gun violence. And so the Blue Ribbon Committee, their role is to help us brainstorm where to be expansive and where to be narrow. As experts that touch on some aspect in each of the eight areas we've identified uh, in the conversations we had in April, they helped us identify where gaps exist, where they and the Academy for Justice can contribute. And the folks on the committee may also contribute to future scholarship in the violent crime sphere, and then also connect us to others doing meaningful work that can expand this conversation. Most importantly uh, for me as a former practitioner is that the practitioners as part of the Blue Ribbon Committee are key for helping us create work products that are actually digestible and applicable for folks on the ground uh, who are who are in their daily work um, acting to prevent violent crime and respond to its harms. And so what are your the key things that are most important to you and to the center on helping to shape this initiative? Well, as a, a victim advocate for around a decade before I went to law school, one of the the key, the first key thing for me is ensuring the visibility of victims and their voices throughout a all of these conversations, making sure that they're heard, making sure that they are participating in the definitions, making sure that they are participating in um, the policy recommendations and the practice recommendations so that uh, the system is responding effectively to address the harms that they suffer as a result of violence. And the second, as also a prior practitioner, is the practical real-world applicability of our work products, uh, getting information and tools in the hands of practitioners and policymakers is how meaningful change actually happens. And with the overall mission of the Academy for Justice of bridging scholarship and practice, uh, making that happen is critical for the success of this initiative. Stacy Leeds is Dean and Regents Professor of Law at the Sandra Day O'Connor College of Law, Arizona State University. She is a scholar of Indigenous law and policy and an experienced leader in law, higher education, economic development, and conflict resolution. She holds law degrees from University of Wisconsin, an LLM, and University of Tulsa, a JD, and a business degree from University of Tennessee, an MBA, and an undergraduate degree in history from Washington University in St. Louis. Leeds was the first Indigenous woman to serve as a law school dean. She served as dean of University of Arkansas School of Law 2011 to 2018, and as the inaugural vice chancellor for economic development, University of Arkansas 2017 to 2020. She has been a professor and administrator at University of Kansas and University of North Dakota, and a William H. Hasty Fellow at University of Wisconsin. She's an elected member of the American Law Institute and a recipient of the American Bar Association Spirit of Excellence Award. Uh, so you attended our Blue Ribbon Committee Symposium on April 13th and 14th of this year and uh, participated both as a BRC or Blue Ribbon Committee member as well as a representative from the law school. So in those sessions that you attended, what were your takeaways? Um, I was blown away with the um, diversity of expertise around the tables that I had the pleasure to sit at. I felt like, uh, at least in the sessions that I participated in, 
There were people from multiple disciplines. There were people who had very profound on the ground experience, but then also people who, you know, are responsible for leading the academic, uh, the academic voice around some of these issues and, um, you know, presenting those ideas on a a more theoretic level. Um, So I was just um, amazed with the brain power that we had in those rooms. Thank you. And from kind of the, you know, the, you just described like the feeling you had in, in the room and how impressed you were, were there any one or two takeaways that you felt had the most potential or maybe were most excited about? I was most excited about the openness and the willingness to take the experiences from a broad group of communities as we try to redefine um, what violence means. I think that there is a often repeated narrative in our court systems and in popular media that only scratches at the surface of what's um, experienced in the communities. And so, um, you know, whether it was a willingness to take into consideration international views or the um, perspectives of victims, or whether it was, you know, just looking at how presumptions are made in various different communities across the United States, that piece of this and just the general open-mindedness um, to not constrain our thoughts around preconceived notions. That was very impressive. Thank you. So as a BRC member, a Blue Ribbon Committee member, with particular expertise in Native and Indigenous communities, what is your vision of how this initiative can contribute uh, to the conversation about violence in that particular sphere? I think that this probably sounds so basic, but yet it's so profound Um, that Indigenous communities inside of the United States feel so invisible in most kinds of um, committees and task force, unless the issue is devoted to Indian law questions. So um, just to have a large committee that will be mindful to include these voices that in of itself is a dramatic first step from what I often see. Drilling down a little bit more, um, I was very energized by the conversations that contemplate that there is maybe a different way to quantify victims and victimhood and people who experience violence in a um, in a manner that is uh, more holistic and more in line with what I have witnessed at the tribal court or tribal community level. And so it's just, um, you know, the commitment to make sure that all voices are heard, that's huge, but um, really to not pick and choose a starting point or a default in these conversations will make this a very different outcome. I, I really couldn't agree with you more. Um, and I'm so excited to, we're so excited to have you on board as, as part of rethinking, rethinking this um, and in the project overall. And so our, my last question is how 
does this initiative connect to the goals and the strategic plan for the law school um, more generally? I think one of the things that makes this law school so unique is that from the beginning, there has always been a focus or a core around making sure that all of our research and scholarship has real-world implications. Either it's informed by the real world to begin with, or if it starts from a critical academic place, that it is scholarship and research that is relevant to what's happening in society. And so, you know, whether you call it social embeddedness or whether you call it impact research, um, this particular project and most of the Academy for Justice work really hits that sweet spot in the middle where we push ourselves to lead through academic work, but we're always mindful of how that then impacts the community. And I think that it ties into um, what ASU as a whole is looking at when they think about concepts of principled innovation, right? It's one thing to take the dialogue to the next level or advance research, but if it's not done in a way that's responsive to and for society, um, then it's academics sitting around doing this for each other, and that's just never been who we are. Dean Leeds, thank you so much for your contributions, both as a Blue Ribbon Committee member and as the Dean of the Sandra Day O'Connor College of Law. And we really look forward to uh, your continuing contributions to the Rethinking Crime and Violence Initiative. All right. Best of luck. Thank you for including me. Angela M. Banks serves as the Vice Dean and Charles J. Merriam Distinguished Professor of Law. She's an immigration and citizenship expert whose research focuses on membership and belonging in democratic societies. Her scholarship has appeared or is forthcoming in leading American law review journals, such as the Emory Law Journal, the William and Mary Law Review, and Brooklyn Law Review. Prior to joining the Sandra Day O'Connor College of Law faculty, Professor Banks was a professor of law at William and Mary School of Law. She has also served as the Reginald F. Lewis Fellow for Law Teaching at Harvard Law School, a legal advisor to Judge Gabrielle Kirk McDonald at the Iran United States Claims Tribunal, an associate at Wilmer Cutler and Pickering in Washington, D.C., now Wilmer Hale, and as a law clerk for Judge Carlos F. Lucero of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit. Hello, Dean Banks. We're so glad to have you with us. Ah, Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be with you all today. So Dean Banks, you joined us for a few of the sessions of the Blue Ribbon Committee Symposium we held in April. What were your takeaways from the April event sessions that you attended? Yeah, so it's really interesting. I really appreciated um, sort of hearing the different sessions that I attended. And so, you know, I think Rethinking Crime and Violence is a really ambitious initiative that is um, really poised to tackle a very timely issue regarding violent crime. The three sessions that I attended, um, the first two, Drugs and Violence, and the second one, Organized Violence, one of the things that I thought was most interesting was the Blue Ribbon Committee really thinking about how do we understand how to define violence in each of these contexts and how narrowly or broadly should that be conceptualized. So 
So I think one of the takeaways I um, got was that, you know, the we think about violence and everybody has something that comes to mind, but the topic is actually much more complicated than that. And to have this really excellent group of experts really thinking through what do we mean by violence in the context of drugs? What do we mean by violence in the context of organized violence? Um, I think is gonna be a real service to the academic and um, policy communities. And then the final panel that I um, sat in on was firearms violence and public safety. And again, here, I mean, this was at a time when, I mean, Unfortunately, mass shootings are happening, I think, just about every day. Um, so it wasn't unique that something recent had happened right before we had this conversation. But it really, you know, thinking about what was the value add that this Blue Ribbon Committee could add in that area. And I think I'm really excited to see sort of how they think through the issue of firearms and violence in our society. That's great. And um, I know you were in one of the panels that I led on organized violence. I heard a little bit about kind of your takeaway on like just the importance of defining violence. Going a step further, were there any of those key takeaways um, that you feel has particular potential or maybe are most excited about, maybe as it relates to some of your scholarship, as it relates to the, the law school in general, or just as it relates to the initiative? So, I mean, as an immigration scholar, one of the things that I thought was really interesting is also thinking about how do we understand how these different issues impact different communities differently. Um, and so recognizing that the challenges around drugs and violence um, have not only domestic implications, but international implications. And then within the United States, how we think about who are victims of various crimes, um, how willing are they going to be to come forward because perhaps of their immigration status, they may not want to come in contact. If they don't have lawful immigration status, they may not be interested in interacting with law enforcement officials, or they might have lawful immigration status or even be U.S. citizens, but their perpetrator might be somebody without status who is somebody who is a family member or somebody close to them. And that might be a reason for hesitating to want to get law enforcement involved in the situation. So recognizing that the Blue Ribbon Committee was thinking about all of these nuances um, and recognizing that whatever recommendations come out of this Blue Ribbon Committee and its work have to recognize the differentiated impacts um, that violence has within the United States. Thank you. One larger picture uh, question as it relates to the role of rethinking crime and violence and its place at ASU Law what are the ways that you see rethinking crime and violence connecting or contributing to the larger mission of ASU's law school? Well, I think about um, sort of, you know, the, uh, the ASU charter, which talks about um, ASU assuming fundamental responsibility for the economic, social, cultural, and overall health of the communities it serves. And I think this Blue Ribbon Committee on uh, rethinking crime and violence really does is in service of that aspect of our charter. One of the things that's really exciting, especially since this um, project is being done through ASU, is that it enables us to connect with various different um, constituencies that are relevant for thinking about crime and violence. So not only do we have as an academic institution, of course, law professors participating on the Blue Ribbon Committee, but we also have lawyers, we have policymakers, we have representation from victims, and I think one of the other things that was really impressive to me was also the nonprofit leaders and other individuals who are working to minimize violence in communities around the United States. So this isn't a Blue Ribbon Committee of 
the ivory tower. It is really a blue ribbon committee of individuals who are not only on the ground dealing with these issues on a day-to-day basis, but also those who have a bit more time and uh, opportunity to think big picture and theoretically about these issues and the policymakers who are going to be the ones implementing the changes. And so ASU being a hub for that conversation is really important for, I think, ASU being able to execute on the charter. Thank you so much. We were so excited to have you join us in April, and we're looking forward to your role in this project going forward. Thank you. I'm very excited to see where um, the next steps and to participate and support in any ways that I can. It was really great to have this group of individuals together in the same place, having robust and active dialogues about this initiative. The excitement and enthusiasm for the contributions the Academy for Justice can make in this space were both motivational and encouraging. So Ashley, as the Academy for Justice's director and a prior public defender and an attendee and facilitator at the April Symposium, what aspects of this initiative are most interesting to you? You know, I am most excited and inspired by the multidisciplinary approach to the project and the way it's kind of taken form by bringing in criminologists and social scientists and anthropologists and social workers and academics and practitioners and more. You know, I'm really, really hopeful that with such a well-rounded, robust discussion, we can meaningfully contribute to this important conversation. I think with a solid cross-section of leaders in these areas, we are going to be able to develop effective ways to both strengthen public safety and enhance the public trust at the same time. And as a former public defender and practitioner, you know, I often felt left out of the dialogue. And so I absolutely echo what you said earlier, Shannon, that including practitioners in these conversations is going to be really of utmost importance and ensuring that it has that real life uh, applicability. Uh, Lastly, I think, you know, as the Academy for Justice, leveraging all of our academic expertise and the uniqueness we have um, as an academic center is going to be critical to ensuring the the success of this project moving forward. So, Shannon, what are the next events and steps for this Rethinking Crime and Violence initiative? Well, the next big public step will be hosting a conference in January 2024 that will serve as the inaugural launch event to the larger Rethinking Crime and Violence Initiative. Uh, We hope to have a variety of scholars who will come and uh, present on the eight topics we discussed and uh, on those focus areas and uh, hope to also launch some scholarship and research on those focus areas. We also will have a series of podcasts this summer and early fall with some of our Blue Ribbon Committee members and um, specific subcommittee chairs where they will discuss their areas of focus and work in the violent crime arena. And then we also plan to have a series of white papers on those first few topic areas that will help form those frameworks and foundations for scholarship and policy work in later years of the project. Great. I can't wait to see what's to come. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of our time today. We want to thank our guests for their time and their insight and extend our sincere thanks to the entire Blue Ribbon Committee for a productive and insightful April event. Thanks to our producer, Amina Ketchen Kamal. This product is a service of the Academy for Justice at the Sandra Day O'Connor College of Law at Arizona State University. I'm Ashley Otto, and this has been Measured Justice.